Shabbat shalom. You ever been downstairs to the lower floors of the synagogue? I don't mean, uh, you know, for a bathroom break. Of course, all of us know that the bathrooms downstairs are so incredibly appealing that they're practically a tourist destination. We should be written up in the guidebooks of New York City. Not. Aside from that, and aside from, you know, perhaps attending a social program downstairs or tonight, our Champagne Shabbat special oneg, do you take the time to go downstairs? Because if you did, you would see one of the most inspiring views of New York City. We associate basements with not too much going on. We often store or hide things there. Basements tend to be dark and a bit scary. But if you took the time to go downstairs, you would see the light of human kindness and the spark of the divine. You would feel not foreboding but forgiving. We have a shelter downstairs. Five nights a week, eight to ten homeless men are hosted by us. Whereas basements might let off some musty odors, if you took the time to go downstairs in early evening, you would be met with the sweet aroma of dinner, diligently designed and delivered by dedicated congregants. Whereas lower floors might be the place where we put somewhat embarrassing things, if you took the time to go downstairs after 8 p.m., you would see that of which we are most proud, that which reveals the best of us every single day. People who have a lot helping people who have a little, with no expectation of reward, no expectation of acknowledgement, no expectation of compensation. As Jewish tradition states, schar mitzvah, mitzvah. The reward of a good deed is the deed. This sermon can be summarized in two words. Go downstairs. <laughs> Go downstairs. There is light there. There is uplift there. There is compassion there. There is humanity there. There is Judaism at its best there. Judaism prioritizes action. Of course, we also care about motivation, but the deed is the measure of moral quality, not the intention. Many philosophies, both secular and religious, assert that goodness is measured by intention. The purity of the aspiration is what counts, not us. While mindful of cultivating a good heart, Judaism emphasized not intentions, but outcomes. Piety is in performance. Moral values must be implemented, not only contemplated. How do we become moral agents? 
reading, writing, thinking, and praying are, of course, important. But for Judaism, more than anything else, moral habits lead to awareness. We do moral acts. We do them constantly, over and over again. It is repetition more than reflection that grounds us morally. If we get out of the habit of doing moral deeds, we lose our moral edge, as we would lose our competitive edge if we neglected our physical training. And the added benefit is that if we are constantly doing good deeds, if our days are filled with mitzvahs, we have less time to do bad deeds. We will not disappoint ourselves so often because we will not even have the time to stray. And so if you want to be a good Jew, go downstairs. Go down and cook. Or just go down and attend to people who hunger for attention and connection. Go down to spend a few moments with your fellow human beings who need a bit of tender, loving care. And if you want to be good parents, go downstairs and go downstairs with your children. If you want your children to be good Jews and good human beings, they should go downstairs early and often, develop in them the habit of doing good deeds. This is the truest measure of religious piety. It's not about outward demonstrations of religiosity. It's not about how many times you pray. It's not about how often you fast. The prophet Isaiah had something to say about that 2,500 years ago. We read his passage on Yom Kippur, the highest of the high holy days, a day devoted exclusively to sitting in synagogue and praying and fasting. This is what he said, is this the fast that I want? A day for people to starve their bodies? Do you call that a fast? No, this is the fast I desire, to share your bread and your compassion with the hungry and to take the poor into your home to clothe the naked. Then shall your light burst forth and the presence of God will be with you. The light bursts forth from our lower floors and you can sense the presence of God down there. When you go downstairs, you will not only give, you will also receive. Our guests have taught us to understand that I am no worthier than he is simply because I have a roof and he does not. If anything, this should cause us to count our blessings and to be brought low in humble recognition of the caprices and the confounding coincidences of life. The whims of chance that somehow passed me by. Our guests have taught us never to take any of the blessings we have in life for granted. Some of them have a job. They work during the day. 
but do not make enough to afford a roof. Our guests have taught us by word and by example that we all need help. We are who we are because many people helped us along the way. If our guests had been as fortunate, they would be upstairs with us. And without the support of loving parents, a close family, good friends, an embracing community, and inspiring teachers, gifts that we did not choose and have no control over, without these, we might be downstairs tonight. Our guests have taught us never to confuse sanctity with sanctimony and righteousness with self-righteousness. There is often a thin line between being religious and being sacrilegious. In our emphasis today on personal meaning, religion is all about how I feel. How have I been moved? Have you inspired me? If it's all about the individual, we run the risk of suffocating the spirit of religion and suppressing its soul. Our guests have taught us that religion is not all about me. Religion is about us. Religion at its best is when it asserts not what separates us, but what binds us together in a common thread of humanity. We are at our best when we preach collective responsibility. We are all created in the image of God and we are therefore all individually and collectively responsible one for the other. We are at our best when we acknowledge the brokenness of our world and demand its repair. Religion is at its best when it encourages us to love our neighbors as ourselves. We read in the Talmud of a Roman emperor who asked the legendary Rabbi Akiva, if your God loves the needy, why doesn't he provide for, him, for them himself? Akiva responded, God who loves both the rich and the poor wants one human being to help another and thus to make this world a household of love. Jewish sages considered compassion to be the defining characteristic of a Jew. If someone is compassionate towards others, states the Talmud, you can be sure that she is the descendant of our father Abraham. And if one is not compassionate towards others, you can be sure that she is not a descendant of our father Abraham. The rabbis were not describing an objective reality. There are many Jews who are not compassionate and many non-Jews who are compassionate. The sages were describing an aspiration. The surest sign that Jewish values have been absorbed by a Jew is the degree of that person's compassion for others. Look not to their prayer habits to measure their piety. Look not to their eloquence. 
Look not to their mastery of Talmudic discourse. Look not to their affluence or success or professional prestige. Look to their compassion. Look to their empathy. Look to their tzedakah. For these are the people who understand most profoundly what life is about and what religion preaches. Religion does not teach us how to avoid tragedy. Religion does not teach us how to avoid suffering, misery, loss, and death. Religion does not teach us how to avoid homelessness or poverty. This is the realm of the self-help masters who are convinced that they have found the Emerald City and point us to the yellow brick road of unadulterated happiness where all our wishes come true. Religion is content to leave this wonderful world to the wizards of the happiness industry, pulling our emotional levers from behind the emerald curtains. Religion teaches us not how to avoid tragedy, but how to respond to tragedy. Religion teaches us not how to avoid suffering, misery, loss, and death, but how to respond to suffering, misery, loss, and death. Religion teaches us not how to avoid homelessness and poverty, but how to respond to homelessness and poverty. Religion teaches us to emerge from the cave of selfishness, from the den of indifference, and to hear the still small cries for help. To hear the cries for help is a divine act. I have heard the cries of my people, says the eternal God, and I am mindful of their suffering. I will rescue them from the Egyptian taskmaster. Not to hear is the act of a tyrant. And Pharaoh said, I have not heard these cries. Open your ears and then go downstairs. Go down from the darkness of self-absorption into the sunlight of human compassion. Give some hope to those who need hope. They too are God's creatures. They too contain the spark of the divine. Being Jewish means not only offering the comfort of a sanctuary for those who want it, but providing a sanctuary of comfort to those who need it. Go downstairs so that you can rise. Go downstairs so that you can help others to rise. I'm not going to single out any of our many volunteers. They stand on the shoulders of so many others in the three plus decades of the existence of our shelter. These morally gifted people are uncomfortable with the attention. It's part and parcel of their moral excellence. They have no ulterior motive. They simply feel the inner compulsion to do God's work. But I do want you to contact our co-chairs, Lance and Jamie Lehner. You can speak with them after the service, or we will send you their contact information. Ask them whatever you want, but most importantly, tell them when you're going downstairs. We read in the Parsha of the Week, Mishpatim, the following verse. 
You shall not wrong a stranger, for you were once strangers in the land of Egypt. You shall not ill-treat any widow or orphan. Let the needy among your people eat. In interpreting this verse, a Magid, a village preacher, once spoke of a little girl who was sent by her mother on an errand. The girl was gone longer than the mother expected. When she finally returned, the mother asked for an explanation. Oh, she replied, I met a girl on the way, and her doll was broken. So I stopped to help her. You mean you helped her fix the doll? Asked the mother. No, mother, I don't know how to fix dolls. I stopped to help her cry. Stop what you're doing for a moment, an evening or several evenings during the year. Go downstairs and help people cry.